Hey everyone, welcome to Yoga Land's Yoga Teacher Companion. I'm your host, Jason Crandall. In the last two episodes, we looked at my five favorite ways to produce more active range of motion and end range strength in the hips and in the shoulders. So if you haven't checked out those episodes, make sure to do it. And because we focused on hips and shoulders, I thought it'd be nice just to kind of bring up some of my favorite go-to core strengtheners. Now, before I get into these five postures that are really my go-to postures, I'm incorporating these in the vast majority of classes that I'm teaching, um, I want to just really briefly let you know within my sequences, I do not prefer to have a standalone abdominal strengthening section of class. Doing so is totally fine. A lot of people love it, it works really well. I have no aversion to it. It's just not my preference. What my preference is, is to incorporate abdominal and other core strengtheners throughout the entirety of the sequence. So rather than having all of those core or abdominal strengtheners at one phase, I like to actually spread them throughout. For me, I think that this is a little bit more of a functional way to include this kind of content within a sequence. But again, it, you can work it however you wanna work it. When we look at these five postures, I'm gonna show you where in the sequence I tend to drop these in. The other thing is, I want us to remember that the word core and the word abdominals are not synonyms. They are not the same thing. Your abdominals are part of your core an inextricable and unbelievably important part of your core, but your abdominals are not the entirety of your core. Now, this conversation is it's kind of below the scope where I'm gonna lay out all of the anatomy. I really wanna to get to this uh, and look at these postures, but suffice to say that I think the simplest way to have a comprehensive understanding of your core is to remember first that your body is three dimensions, and the core is the center of those three dimensions, which means everything from the center of the pelvis or the pelvic floor up to the diaphragm and including the diaphragm, and everything that rings around that circumference is your core, right? So we want to remember we aren't a two-dimensional surface where we just have core on the front side. We wanna think about the sides of the core the back of the core, the bottom of the core, and the top of the core. That's the only way that we're gonna have a sophisticated, comprehensive, and complete understanding of core and know how to work with it completely, okay? So the first thing that I like to incorporate, and I do this a lot, especially early on in a sequence, okay? I'll do this in the preparations phase of class quite a bit, and one of the things that this does is it signals to the students what we are going to be working on later in the sequence. Um, and it is reclined and seated arm balances, okay? So reclined and seated arm balances are really good ways to strengthen your core, especially the anterior and the rotational components of the core. They're also really good ways, everyone, to give people the neuromuscular coordination and the routing for developing arm balances. So whether you wanna focus more on core or whether you wanna focus more on developing arm balances, these are really perfect. Let me give you a couple of examples, okay? So to me, kind of like the quintessential example 
of these two would be seated bakasana, right? So I teach seated bakasana a lot. And then seated rotated or side crow, parshra bakasana, right? And then I also will like to teach things like seated firefly, seated titibasana, okay? Now we can do these same things but make it even more demanding when we take it to the floor. So this is why I'm saying this first category is seated and reclined arm balances. So we can do these same things on the back where we have an even less advantageous relationship to gravity, right? So when I'm laying on my back and I'm doing bakasana, I'm strengthening hip flexors, I'm strengthening anterior abdominals, if I'm taking the knees and gripping them in against the outer arms, I'm strengthening my inner thigh muscles, my adductors. If I engage pelvic floor, I'm strengthening pelvic floor, right? So all of these, right? And then if I add something like Parshva uh, Bakasana, right? Side crow or side crane, right? Or Dvipada Kundanyasana, right? Or lower a leg, Ekapada Kundanyasana too, right? All of these reclined arm balances, they're really good ways to get to that whole anterior and rotational core. And another thing that they do, everyone, is, well, I should say what they don't do, which is they don't bore your students. And what I mean by this is I think a lot of times when we, when we just kind of do like reclined abdominal strengtheners that don't relate as overtly to postural development, they're a little bit less interesting. But if I know as a student that I'm sitting into bakasana, right? And then I'm doing one-legged bakasana seated. And then I'm doing another version of one-legged bakasana. And then I take that on my back. If I know that's not just creating more strength in my body, but it's also facilitating the development of arm balances, it's a little bit more intriguing to me, okay? Now, the second thing that I like to do a lot is what I call the Surya Namaskar sneak in, okay? So there's many different of sun salutation patterns. We all know that, okay? But what I like to do within Surya Namaskar regularly is I like to sneak in Navasana, Ardha Navasana, and then a little bit of reclined arm balance work, okay? So Surya Namaskar sneak in, it can take a lot of different manifestations, but I'll give you an example. I'm gonna show you the transition where I often have people setting this up, right? So let's say, let's say we've kind of just jumped forward in Surya Namaskar A, or even let's say we're just kind of doing any kind of lunge salutation, right? And then we step forward one way or another in a Surya Namaskar, you're gonna get to a forward bend or you're gonna get to Utkatasana or you're gonna get to Tadasana, right? So somewhere within that flow, you'll bend the knees, come into Utkatasana. And then from here, everyone, I have people from Utkatasana sit all the way down through a squat and then right into bent knee full boat pose. So this is bent knee full boat pose, Paripurna Navasana, right? So this is where I tend to like to start because it's really accessible, okay? So now I'm gonna show you what I like to do from here, but again, that transition. And what I, the point is, is you're kind of doing any style of Surya Namaskar, 
you get to Uttanasana or you get to Tadasana, then you just bring people into an easy Utkatasana and have them transition to seated. You don't have to overthink how they transition to seated, okay? The point is, is that they're doing the core strengthening within the fluid dynamic of Surya Namaskar, right? So we get them to Utkatasana, they come down through a squat, and then they're in seated bent knee boat pose, right? Then from here, we can do straight leg full boat pose, right? Paripurnanavasana, full boat pose. We can have people come down into half boat pose, Ardhanavasana. This is a good time to do reclined arm balances, right? There's all sorts of different options from here, right? Then we get them back up into some sort of full boat pose, and then it's their choice. They can step back into down dog, or they can add chaturanga up dog, down dog, but I do this a lot, especially in the vinyasa classes where I want to increase the demand, but I don't want people to rush, right? This is something that's really endemic to my teaching, which is I wanna often have a strong demand, but I don't wanna sacrifice skill or attention, and I don't wanna to default to going at a rate of movement where people are just starting to get sloppy. So this inclusion, everyone, is really nice. You should take it. Now the next one is like forearm plank. So number three is a lot like forearm plank, but, you're, but it's a little bit different in that there is more posterior pelvic tilt and spinal flexion. So I'm gonna show it in a moment. I call this Sphinx pose roll up, okay? And so what we're targeting here is we're not targeting more of a neutral plank position. This is an exaggerated pose for anterior abdominal strength, okay? So think rectus abdominis and then all of the other abdominal muscles working concentrically, so working in a short position. So a lot of times what I'll do, again, just any kind of Surya Namaskar, but we get ourselves to the floor, we get ourselves in the Sphinx. And then what I want from here, everyone, and then I'm gonna show you basic troubleshooting, right? We'll usually take an inhalation in the Sphinx. And then what I want from here is I wanna feel like I'm peeling my front body off the ground. So from here, I don't wanna just kinda of pop up into forearm plank. That's fine if you wanna just be in forearm plank, which is a good pose for core, by the way, right? But what I'm looking for is more spinal articulation. So from Sphinx, I think about lifting the front ribs, and then the navel, and then the hip points, and then the pubic bone, and then the top of the thighs. But look, my knees are staying on the ground, okay? My knees are staying on the ground, and I'm staying in posterior pelvic tilt, right? So I do not have a neutral position. A neutral position of spine and pelvis is really good. It's not what I'm looking for now. So I have that posterior pelvic tilt, and I have a little bit more roundness to the spine. Okay, so what this is creating everyone, right? It's creating more posterior pelvic tilt and it's creating more spinal flexion, which is making all of those anterior core muscles work concentrically. Now, the biggest mistake that people are gonna make, there's really two of them, okay? The most common mistake, and this pose just won't work if someone makes this mistake, okay? The most common mistake is someone will get into this initial position and then pull their hips back like this. Almost kind of like a weird child's pose position. So this is 
not going to do anything because there's no gravitational stress that's going to help increase core strength, right? So the shoulders are staying over the elbows the whole time, right? That's the most common mistake. The second most common mistake is there's too much anterior pelvic tilt and lumbar curve. So, that, so we're using the curvature of the spine to support us against gravity instead of anterior core strength, okay? And then, the, and then the third mistake, everyone, is that people will just come up onto the legs. They'll straighten the knees and be on the ball of the feet. Now, here's the thing, which is, I'm a fan of forearm plank. What Sphinx Pose Roll-Up does in comparison to forearm plank is it produces a more overt demand on your anterior abdominals whereas forearm plank tends to work the whole network of core a little bit more. So what I use this for is when I'm really targeting that front side, okay? Now, this takes us in really nicely and really naturally to the fourth core strengthener that I think it's easy to overlook and I incorporate this all the time, okay? The first thing we have to remember is the sides have a core too. The sides of your body are part of the core. Remember, your core is an entire circumference. It's all of the tissues that form the circumference of the center of your body. So we've already had some things here that are really targeted to front. So we wanna get something targeted to the sides. There's many different iterations of this, but what I find is just so simple, so effective, is side forearm plank, okay? I prefer side forearm plank to a straight arm Vashastasana. Straight arm side plank Vashastasana is really good. It's more kind of like a, a conventional yoga posture. But when you're doing side forearm plank, because, because the upper body is lower, you're, you're, you're more horizontal. When the, when the arm is straight out to the side and side forearm plank, you have, your body has more of a diagonal to the ground. So the load is relatively greater in the shoulder and lower in the side of the core because of that slope. But when you're inside forearm plank, the body's more horizontal. So there's less proportionate load in the shoulder and there's a greater proportion of demand um, in the side of the core itself. So especially quadratus lumborum, some of those other kind of deep lateral muscles. So a lot of times what I'll do is I'll get people used to doing sphinx pose roll-ups. Then after some sphinx pose roll-ups, we'll do forearm plank. Then from forearm plank, I like to take whatever side I'm go going towards. So let's say I'm gonna go forearm plank on my left. I like to take the left forearm in about 45 degrees. Roll to my left side, right? And then what I do, everyone, is I lift the bottom, I lift the hips and the bottom ribs up. So I'm working the bottom waist, the left side ribs concentrically, right? They're shortening. And then the top arm is variable. I usually reach it overhead, but you can reach it towards the ceiling or whatever, right? And it's just a nice, easy transition to come back to forearm plank and then to set it up and to do the same work on the second side, okay? Super easy to include. You can include this in Surya Namaskar. You can also, if you're like me and you kind of do a lot of 
a standing pose flows, but you don't just between every standing pose flow want to do yet another chaturanga and up dog. You can incorporate the sphinx pose roll up, forearm plank, side forearm plank to diversify the kinds of stresses uh, that we're helping our students receive. Okay, and then the final one, again, now I will do this. It, it's, I call alternating arm and leg locust. Any version of locust is good, but this is really nice and I'll explain why and show it. But you can do this within the flow. You can do this within standing pose flows. But you can also do this really nicely, everyone, in the backbend phase of class. So I would do this early in a sequence of backbends because it's not a big range of motion, but it's a good strengthener and a good coordinator of the posterior sheath of our body, right? So it kind of teaches the, the muscles of the back body of the right side and the left side to work together, right? So drop this into the flow or drop this into a, a early phase of backbends. So it's just like any other locust, except instead of reaching both arms and both legs and raising both arms and both legs, what I like to do here, everyone, is one leg up, other arm forward. Then switch. One leg up, other arm forward. And I'll do this for, I'll do a few rounds of this, everyone. And when you're raising one arm and the opposite leg, you're creating not just strength in your back body, but a diagonal pattern of strength which if we got a little bit deeper into the posterior body, and those of you that are kind of into this like really nuanced stuff, like the thoracolumbar fascia and how the lats tie into the glutes and so forth, what we realize is this pattern that I just showed you of strengthening the back body in a diagonal way is functionally really smart to do. It's really valuable to strengthen your back body, period but especially hitting these diagonals um, is hugely valuable for human movement and stability, okay? So hopefully this episode, but also the episodes on shoulders and hips gives you a bunch of just stuff to work with and inspire your practice and teaching, okay? So experiment, enjoy, pass this stuff on to your students, pass it on to your colleagues, um, and don't forget if you're interested in this to subscribe to my email list in the link below. Thanks everyone.